It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 28 and 28-2 Chapter 38 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale The Living Forest And Chapter 19 of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz Attacked by the Fighting Trees A wise man once said... Something, I'm sure, and I'm sure whatever he said was, you know, wise. I, on the other hand, said, It can't be that hard to produce a three to five episode a week podcast. I can totes do that easy. To be fair, most of this process has actually been somewhat easy. Strangely enough, it's been easier than producing the old single-episode-a-week shows of my past, Two Guys a Movie and a Podcast, and Off All Day, both of which are delightfully evergreen, kind of, and still available on your podcast app of choice. But why am I talking about old shows instead of the current one? I guess the world will never know. Anyway, let's talk about Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. This week, I'm talking about Chapter 38, The Living Forest, and 19, Attacked by the Fighting Trees. I don't know why, but sometimes when I say fighting, I get get like a weird Irish tone. Attacked by the Fighting Trees. I don't know why, and I apologize. It's probably not even that good of an Irish tone. Anyway, these episodes clearly go hand in hand, even if they are pretty different from one another. Baum's book uses these final chapters to highlight his character's abilities and how far they've come. Kind of in the same way he used the Road West chapters to show off the Scarecrow's mad abilities when it comes to snapping birds' necks. Obviously, for my book, there has to be differences here. Not just because that's the nature of adapting and rewriting a story, but also because, duh, the woodman isn't traveling with Dorothy in my book. Though, he would have been a huge help here. I mean, he could have walked through that bramble, right up to the heart of the forest, and taken his axe and... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? Dorothy, Mr. and the Lion are all trekking through the mountains and woods here. It's not a terribly difficult journey so far. The terrain gets a little iffy, and the path disappears altogether before eventually becoming a nest of snake-like vines. But, for the most part, it's not too bad. They're guided by a compass, kind of, given to them by Joseph. It's unmarked, but it will supposedly always point them to the blue ocean. Have I ever mentioned how much I love the movie Thank You for Smoking? 
I'm pretty sure I have. I've probably even mentioned this quote in this very podcast before, but it bears repeating. There's a line in there in which a movie producer played by Rob Lowe says, Most problems in movies can be fixed with one line of dialogue. Thank God we invented the, you know, whatever device. That's pretty much the compass here. Like, imagine a conversation between Dorothy and Joseph, where Dorothy's all, Won't we get lost without the ring to guide us? And old Joey, he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a compass and says, Nah, thank God we invented the, you know, whatever device. I don't know why I chose to go with a bad New York accent, but I'm going to stick with it because it makes me chuckle. Anyway, they find themselves following this thing, and it leads them to a nest of vines and weeds that in turn drives them upward into the trees. Mister isn't exactly excited about having to use the trees, but Dorothy points out there's really no other options. I also want to point out that Dorothy in these chapters has become much more understanding. She could berate Mister for not being helpful, but she sits down and very gently tells him what's what. She actually seems kind of motherly. Mister, of course, agrees and acknowledges that she's right. Now, before you get all nitpicky with me, I want to acknowledge something myself. I realize Dorothy isn't actually being attacked by fighting trees in my book, so I guess go ahead and throw that on the pile of differences. To be fair, this is the living forest, not the fighting trees. At one point, this was titled The Living Forest Part 2. I mentioned super early on that I like the idea of the trees and forest all being connected by a massive system of roots that just exists below the surface of Oz. And that would mean that the Living Forest, this one in this year chapter, is actually connected to and part of the forest and trees that attacked them early on. You know, when we first met the Tin Woodman. Dorothy fights her way through the trees with relative ease for a while, before being overtaken by the thorny vines. The lion breaks out some loyal courage here and saves her, sacrificing himself in the process. Dorothy gets the bright idea to just, you know, start a forest fire. After all, Smokey the Bear has been telling her her entire life that only you can prevent forest fires. I know, I used my lion voice. I can't do a cool Smokey impression. Actually, I'm not even sure what he sounds like these days. It's been a while since I've heard from him. That being said, whoever is in charge of casting the voice of Smokey the Bear, I'm available, if you don't mind him sounding like a parody of Richard Nixon. She has a matchbook and gives it the old college try a couple of times. She fails, but like the little engine that could, she thinks she can, she thinks she can, and whoosh, she manages to get it started. Eventually. If it were me, I'd probably just be SOL, 
I can hardly start a match with a matchbook to begin with. And I'm terrible under pressure. I panic. I get short of breath. My arms get shaky. My legs get wobbly. But also, I probably wouldn't make it this far anyway. So, there's that. I wish I committed more to the description of the heart of the forest. I say it's heart-like at one point, then I describe it as being like an artichoke. I feel like I probably could have been a little more consistent and maybe even, dare I say, coherent. In the wonderful Wizard of Oz, attacked by the fighting trees, see, there he goes again, we are treated to some heroics from the woodman. This chapter has some fun reminiscing about the wizard, Dorothy has forgiven him, the Scarecrow is still happy with his brains, the Woodman still happy with his heart, and the Lion is maybe just a little bit more critical, saying, If only the wizard had taken a shot of that delicious liquid courage, he would have been a brave man. Not his exact words, by the way, but you get the idea. We get some more from the Guardian of the Gate here as well. He is generally regarded as being good-natured, but I still insist on voicing him as somewhat annoyed. I like the idea that he's not particularly happy with the Scarecrow leaving. He even points out to the Scarecrow that you are the ruler of the land. So you must return. Overall, though, it's a pretty hopeful chapter. My biggest criticism with this book in general really begins here. This is like five minutes long. And even though I haven't recorded the next chapter yet, or the one that comes after that, of course, I'd be willing to bet they're going to clock in about the same time. These final chapters, to me, have always just felt rushed. I don't know what was going through Baum's mind when he wrote this book, but I always imagine him sitting hunched over a desk with a pen and paper, exhausted and tired of this story, thinking to himself, I'm almost there. Just a little bit more. I can make it. You know, like me, about halfway up the escalator ride in the mall. This one in particular just feels lazy to me. Next week's Dainty China Country and the one about the lion a little bit later are really nice and they're fun, but there's no denying we've got a little bit of underwhelming storytelling throughout this ending. I wanted my chapters to be a little fuller. Was that a good decision? Eh, was that a bad decision? I don't know. That is entirely up to you, my dear listener, or reader, whichever you are. But, let's face it, you're listening to me right now, so I guess that makes you a listener. They set out and find themselves stopped by some angry trees. They throw the scarecrow around a couple of times before the woodman finally steps up and starts chop-chop-chopping away. This is really the only trouble they have with the trees. The rest of them either aren't alive or simply don't care about the travelers. They come to the conclusion that they're not really alive. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. 
it ends with them standing in front of a wall that appears to be made of fine china. The woodman says he'll make a ladder. And that's it. Chapter over. This ending also feels a little bit... What's the word? Abrupt. If I missed something, or failed to address something you feel I should have, by all means, let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. You don't have to like what I make, but you can still be nice about it. I know you can. I believe in you. The contact info is DarkDorothyG on Twitter, DarkDaysOfDorothyGale at Outlook.com, the Ordinary Sun, that's S-U-N, on Instagram. Also, if you're interested, there's a Facebook page that rarely gets updated. And I have officially launched the Dark Days of Dorothy Gale website. It is simply ddofdg.com. Currently, there's some artwork there, contact information, summary of what Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is, although you already know what it is. But, uh, you know, it's got stuff like that. At some point, there will be even more artwork and links to t-shirts and stickers and all that fun stuff. But for now, it's pretty basic. But it's there. Also, It looks way better on mobile than on desktop. That just seems to be the way things are these days. Again, that's ddofdg.com. Come back next week for Chapter 39 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. Idnis Itza, more commonly referred to as China Country. And Chapter 20 of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. The Dainty China Country. Thanks for listening. I love you all.